This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is Fear the Talking Dead number 330, recorded on Tuesday, July the 11th, 2017. Thanks for tuning in this week, everyone. It's Tuesday. It's not Monday. I apologize for that. But if you've been listening for a while, you kind of know what's been going on in our lives, which screws up the podcast a lot, which I do feel bad about. But there's 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 another reason this week, too. There There is. And I was just, you know, the fact that uh, things have been so screwed up lately, uh, Tuesday is our regular day now. So we're, we're kind of like consistently Tuesday. <laughs> you know, it's sad, but it's kind of true. I think of that in the same way as my car is so old that eventually, I'll, like, I have to replace so many parts in my car that eventually it'll be a new car. <laughs> it'll just turn into a new car. It'll just be new. Right. Well, uh, yeah, so that is kind of a sad state of affairs when it feels like Tuesday is our regular day now, but it shouldn't be, and I don't intend it to be going forward, yeah. but what are you going to do? Uh, we are here, of course, to talk about the mid-season finale of Fear the Walking Dead. It's two full episodes, number seven and number eight. We are, of course, going to do that, uh, review that those both those episodes in depth. But first, I just want to address something that I did yesterday. I posted a picture on our Facebook page, and it was my sort of cryptic, mysterious way of letting everyone know that we'd be recording tonight instead of last night. Yeah. And it's a picture of a ceiling with a big hole in it and uh some debris some debris around and we're going to talk about that at the end of the show uh in more detail so if you're curious about that picture if you saw it on our facebook page at facebook.com slash the talking dead stick around at the end of the show to hear what that was all about i thought it was an incredible incredible picture so uh it's a uh, it's very dramatic picture, and uh, just to reassure everybody, I know we're going to address it later, but uh, no ser- serious injuries uh, occurred during the events that uh, that caused that gaping hole through the roof and through the ceiling into my son's crib. <laughs> yeah, so so there'll be more to come about that. Uh, no serious injuries. That's, no, that's the main uh, thing. yeah, just no serious injuries. Uh, Nobody in my family was hurt in any way, shape, or form. Okay, that's good to know. We'll talk about it at the end. Yeah. Let's talk about the mid-season finale of Fear the Walking Dead. And uh, here's Lee in St. Catharines with a title read. The Unveiling and Children of Wrath. Thank you, Lee. Yes, we do. The Unveiling and Children of Wrath. If you want to do a title read... I, I mean, I know there isn't an episode coming up in a while, but uh, next time there is one, what you do is you look up the title of the show, you read it and record it and send it to us. Don't just read it because we won't get that. Yeah. And, you know, it would be really kind of nice, but I don't think we can use stuff like episode nine if, if there's no actual title for episode nine yet. But uh, so, so don't do that. Oh, that's Wait right. Wait for there an actual title to, you know, somebody to post an actual title online. Somewhere. Actual title is good. All right, so two episodes tonight, Jason, um, double double length. Um, it, it is the mid-season finale. What did you think uh, as, a, as a unit, as a whole, uh, the way the season, the half season wrapped up? I'm going to start with that. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Frankly. Me too. 
and, and we're done. <laughs> we Good finally night, agree. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, what did you like about it? Uh, I thought uh, there was lots of good drama. I thought there was a few twists and turns. I thought that uh, we learned a few things about some key characters, which we suspected. Uh, and uh, I'm sure more will come out uh, on some of those a little bit later on. But uh, uh, And uh, overall, I think uh, you were right on your prediction. That Mr. Jeremiah Otto would be killed off. That would he would uh, not survive the midseason finale. I have been one hundred percent wrong in my predictions this half season. Well, you're you must be off your game because there there was a time when you were very very accurate in your predictions, but yeah, you know maybe you'll 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 get back to it at some point. Uh, I could just pick the opposite of what I think. You could you could that. pull a Costanza and just do the opposite of every yeah. impulse you have. I used to do that when I uh, when I golfed. You know, I had a, I had a wicked slice when I golfed. Uh, just this massive slice, things would go off, uh, the ball would go off, and I'd have to you know hunt for it for hours and or yell four and or you know cross people's uh, other people's games to get my ball. So what happened was I started playing the slice. I would uh, line myself up down down the fairway and then turn like thirty degrees to the left <laughs> and then just slice that sucker right onto the fairway. Well, that's, hey man, you do, you do what you have to do. And if you're putting it right down the middle of the fairway, it works. It's embarrassing, but it works. Yeah. Yeah. I realize like a granny shot in basketball. I mean, you can, you can sink a granny shot from the foul line more reliably than you can sink by going overhand, but nobody does it because it's embarrassing. (laughs) Because you look like a dork. Exactly. (laughs) Well, I just, before we get started here, I realized that I golf a lot better if I don't take practice swings. If I just step up to the ball and hit it on the first swing, yeah. I think I don't, I don't think about it. So I just do it and it, I hit it way better. Yeah. Uh, that's what I learned this year playing golf. I play one game of golf a year and that's how I figured it out. Good. I haven't played it in years. Okay. Anyways, I enjoyed this mid-season finale, both these episodes quite a bit as well. Uh, I agree with you. I think they were just dramatic. I think there was some really great acting here. I think there was a lot of inf- interesting information revealed about some of our characters, especially Madison, which we'll talk about. And um, I think there was a few, a few shots and just a few scenes, especially towards the end of episode eight that were just masterful and, and chilling and, and so well done. Yeah. So I, I was very, very happy with the way the season is wrapped up for the half anyway so far. But let's start at the beginning. Um, the cold open of episode number seven, The Unveiling, I thought it was pretty good, although it started, and it, God, it feels like an awfully long time ago now, but it That's started sort of- with Jake walking through the forest on his way to um, Black Hat mm-hmm. Ranch, not Ranch, Black Hat, uh, what is it? The the place that the corners there with the gas station. Black I'm hat, not sure what they call it. Black Hat Place. Uh, he's on his way there, and they had Alicia kind of sneak up behind him. We knew she was following him, but they did the whole, ooh, what's that noise in the forest? And then they almost shoot each other. I thought that was a little tropey, but what are you going to do? Yeah, and she Alicia had her finger on the on the trigger in this uh, in this particular spot. Uh, a little bit later, she was practicing good uh, uh trigger discipline mm-hmm. but uh, right here she she was not which i liked because she you know she didn't have a whole lot of instruction she only took the master class for that little time right but uh now uh here she didn't have good trigger discipline but a little bit later she does so uh, maybe she learned a thing or two on the trail yeah she must have been practicing a little bit um yeah. <clears throat> i think uh what i liked about the cold open though of that episode is that it it kind of got right to the point you know after our brief uh 
oh, who's following me thing, and it's Alicia. They they arrive at Black Hat and 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 they're there. They get right into it. You know, I like the bit where uh, Walker says, "You're 200 years late for peace, Jake, but you're just in time for lunch." Thought that was a good line. <laughs> it's a good line. What was he doing with that pig? Like, I don't understand what what was going on with that pig. Was there? Uh, was he fighting the pig? It looked like there was like a whole bunch of people around and uh, it looked like there was some kind of uh, uh, combat going on. But, you know, obviously the pig's not going to win because he had a sword. No, I think he slaughtered the pig for lunch. And, you know, with a whole bunch of onlookers? Like yeah. it, it's, this is a spectator sport in their uh, organization? Well, maybe they're hungry. Maybe Maybe he's teaching people how to slaughter a pig. Yeah. You know? When that guy called out Walker's name, Right. He showed up right away. Like there was no pause between calling out his name and then him coming around the corner. So when he called out uh, Walker's name, that pig head was already in the apron. Like there was no time to like gather his shit in order to make this dramatic uh, statement like that. That shit was already happening. Like the pig was slaughtered. Okay. The head was in his apron. He was already walking towards where he was going. And then they called him. It's like, oh, here I am. Well, you know, maybe the timing was just good then. I don't know. But uh he was slaughtering the pig. I thought it was a good scene. It was a nice, it was a cool scene though, right? It's like he, they show up. He happens to have that pig, bloody pig head just drops it on the ground. And, uh, you know, that's a good intimidation factor. It's like, look at what I did here. And it mirrored the final scene of the final of episode eight when Madison brings out the head of Jeremiah Otto. More, uh, you know, the head in a bag thing is, uh, very dramatic and gory, but it was way less bloody than this particular scene. The, the pig was more bloody than Otto's head, you mean? That's correct, yeah. because uh, there was, you know, there's blood on the apron, blood on the sword, blood on the head. Uh, like, did they... I, 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 I'm confused by this. It seemed like there was, like, uh, some kind of uh, fight going on, and everybody was kind of going uh, hanging around, and then all of a sudden he comes out with a sword and a pig head. Well, I don't know. I think you're dwelling on it a little too much. but I think I'm dwelling on it. <laughs> I think the problem is, and I have a question for the listeners, and I'm hoping somebody can answer this for me. Uh, back, in the, uh, back in the 80s, uh, I was in a pipe band. I was a drummer in a pipe band. And we used to do this event in the Sioux where uh, there was a whole bunch of people in this, uh, in this room. I think it was like Robbie Burns Day or something like that. Uh, but we used to pipe in a flaming boar's head. Like they'd take this actual pig head, put it on this uh, litter where four of us would carry this thing around. We'd enter this, they'd light it, they'd douse it with something, light it on fire, and we'd walk in with a piper playing, and we'd walk around all the tables, and everybody would cheer, and they'd be going crazy. And I thought it was disgusting and horrifying every time I did it, and I don't understand why. And I'm somebody email me and tell me why that this happened to me. Because <laughs> it's not just me. I think this was this is a thing, and I okay. don't know why. Well, there must be information out there about it somewhere, but it sounds kind of weird. It was very weird. Yeah. All right. Well, I enjoyed that cold open. Let's talk about Jake for a second. Um, sure. I'm, he is slowly, or maybe not so slowly, turning into one of my favorite characters. I like, interesting. I, I like Jake a lot. I'm really glad he didn't die. And, you know, I realized I like him because I think so often... In The Walking Dead, people are really immediately ready to fight. It's all about, you know, a 
a, a war is coming, a fight is coming. We have to defend ourselves. We have to fight back. There's nobody ever talks about negotiating. And I know it does happen a little bit. I know uh, Rick went to talk to the governor back in the day and stuff like that. But most of the time it's like, we got to fight. We got to kill everybody. And I really enjoyed that Jake on this show was so, for most of it, was so dedicated to making a deal, talking it through, trying to create peace some other way than through violence. Yeah, and they built that in his backstory too, right? Because this is what he was doing before the uh, the apocalypse happened. Uh, right. He was still, he was at that point also trying to negotiate, uh, you know, with uh, with Walker and, and the nation. Yeah, exactly. And, and it really didn't work in the end, but I like that he's, he remained so dedicated to that idea for a while. Towards the end of the second episode, he did, uh, he did start to say, you know, we've tried everything. There's no other options now, you know, but, uh, but, but, but I, I don't blame him for that. I am still happy though, that for most of the time, his character was, was really on the, uh, let's talk this through and figure this outside. And uh, I like that about him. So I hope, you know, he sticks around and I hope he sort of regains that attitude or, or just maintains it somehow. Um, because it's, it feels like a refreshing change from the walking dead modus operandi of usual. Yeah. And that's over now. <laughs> well, it's over now. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and we're done with that. But, but I mean, maybe the conflict between broke jaw and black hat is done for a while at least. Right. Well, there's uh, uh, an uneasy truce at the moment. Right. So, I mean... Ceasefire, if you will? Maybe. And, and, I, and I think, if anyone, I think Jake can turn an uneasy truce into a slightly less uneasy truce, maybe. Yeah, and then from there... Peace, maybe. Uh, what? Lasting peace. Maybe from there to lasting peace. I I don't know, you know? I just hope he's, I just hope he continues to try whether it works or not, because it's a good character trait. Yeah. And it'll get him killed. And it'll most probably, likely. yeah, probably. Which That's is my a, prediction. Which is a That's bummer. probably wrong. <laughs> Maybe. Um, Walker, played by Michael Gray Eyes. Here's an actor who I didn't know before this, but I got to th- say, he, I'm a huge fan of this guy now. I think he was yeah. amazing in these two he, episodes. He was good. Should we, we should do an actor spotlight on him. We should. That's a good idea. Michael Gray Eyes. I did look him up. I did look him up. And I was excited to see that he's from Saskatchewan. So he's actually a native Canadian, not a native American. Nice. Which is cool. Well, native North American. Well. Native American as in America, the continent. Okay, you're right. But a lot of people up here use the term native Canadian. But you're right. Native American, native North American. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Uh, But I thought he was especially good in the scenes with Alicia when she's over at Black Hat and he's showing her his collection of relics. Right. Um, and, and I also thought that his description of the apocalypse in that scene as the great unveiling was also really, really cool. You know, she says it means the end of the world. And he's like, no, no, it's the great unveiling. And is that I, true? Is that the, the actual meaning? I, I couldn't tell you for sure, but maybe to, you know, maybe for some people, but I think that, um, I really, I really like that definition of it because he, it's sort of like he's saying, you know, the apocalypse reveals your true character, mm-hmm. I think, right? It, it unveils your character. It, it strips you down to your most basic primal instincts, and you're either a good person or a bad person because you're faced with these insurmountable apocalyptic odds. 
I yeah. like that. I mean, that's good for him and that's good for other people. It's bad for me because if it reveals my true character, my true character in that situation would be chum. And that's essentially <laughs> it. <laughs> chum. Well, you know what? He's not saying everyone comes out on top. He's just saying no. it reveals your true character. Yeah. You know, food for something. <laughs> food for is something. What I would be. There you go. Anyways, I thought I thought he did a great job as as Walker. Um, and if he's continues to be on the show, which I imagine he will be, maybe they'll break from this storyline for a little while. But I do hope he stays on the show because he's really great. And if not, he's one of these people that I might look out for in uh, in other stuff. Yeah. Well, they've got to resolve him, resolve his character somehow, right? They're going to team up and uh, against a larger foe, probably, or they're going to be overrun by a herd because that hasn't happened yet to these people. So there's going to be this herd situation that yeah. uh, here I go predicting shit again. Uh, I, I don't think we've seen the end of that. They're not just going to, you know, not interact with these, uh, with you know, with these groups going forward. Something's going to happen, <laughs> and they're all going to die. Something is going to happen. I think so. Uh, I'd be surprised if they teamed up. However, now that Otto is dead and Madison really is in charge, she's the one that was able to bring him uh, Otto's head. So maybe he will respect her enough that, you know, they can work together on something. You know, if somebody brought me somebody else's head, I'd respect them. Well, I wouldn't. I'd be terrified, but I would, you know, treat them with a high level of respect. You don't fuck around with that guy. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) He just, he just walked up to your, rang your doorbell with a head in his hand. <laughs> Ding dong. <laughs> Look what I got. Got a head. That's his head. <laughs> oh man. I respect you, but I'm going to close the door. <laughs> uh, would you like to come in and uh, have nine, a nine, 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 nine. No, don't come in. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk about Madison. She does all kinds of stuff. Her character was a little all over the place for me this week. I I liked where she ended up, but... Getting there, I felt she was acting a little bit erratically. And what I mean is when she first convinces Troy, so Alicia, as you know, stays, um, uh, is left by Jake at Black Hat as a prisoner exchange to, yep. to broker some sort of peace or deal for a little while. And of course, this upsets Madison. And the first thing she does is convinces Troy to sneak in and bring Alicia back. And I get it, it's her daughter, but I feel like her judgment was a little clouded here because it would have been smarter to do, even like what Troy said when she's trying to convince him, he says, give the parlay a couple of days, you know, don't react too quickly. Um, But of course she doesn't, they go over there, the operation goes bad, they end up killing people. And as Jake says, this is basically a declaration of war. So I sort of felt, torn about that because on one hand yes it's her daughter and she wants to protect her but she's been told that alicia's in no danger so why not give it a day or two well i kind of agree with madison in this regard for a couple of reasons one uh ophelia is a horrible hostage and we'll i'm sure we'll talk about ophelia later but uh uh i think that was like the worst person they could possibly pick as a hostage for a hostage exchange to ensure Things go smoothly. Ophelia is like the uh, a worst one. What it's the ha- absolute worst person you can choose. What do you have against Ophelia? No, not her personally. It's uh, it's the fact that uh, Madison and the family they know her, so they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to jump and kill her as uh, as a threat to uh, Walker 
Uh, and the fact that Walker, she's new to that organization. So what the fuck do they give a shit about her for? <laughs> like, uh, you have the daughter of one of the, uh, the more prominent people at the, at the ranch, you know, take somebody a little more significant to, uh, the, the nation than somebody that just showed up like what, a week ago, maybe a little bit longer, mm-hmm. oh, which I have questions about. Uh, we'll cover that a little bit more later, I guess. Sure. But uh, I think Ophelia was the absolute most horrible choice. And I think Madison knew that. It's like, no, killing her is not going to damage, uh, you know, Walker's group in any way, shape or form. So she's not like, just take that out of the equation so that there's no uh, tit for tat here. Uh, my daughter's in danger and we've got no leverage on our side. So why, and he knows, Walker knows that, why would he negotiate in any, uh, in any way? And if that's true, uh, acting now is going to be more of a surprise than acting later. So if, if we act now, we can accomplish this, uh, you know, our objectives. So I kind of agree with her that taking all of this shit, that uh, going to get Alicia now is probably the best move. So you're saying they have no reason to trust Walker. Because he, yeah. he handed over this uh, this meaningless hostage, basically. Yeah, to them. There's nothing against Ophelia, you know, individually. Mm-hmm. It's just as a, uh, a uh, representative of the Walker uh, group. What do we call them now? Like the nation? Black Hat. It's not Black Hat Reservation, is it? No, I think it's it was something nation or Walker and his nation or something like that. We got to. I know they referred to them as a group and I forget the reference. Okay. So anyway, Walker's group. Uh, as a representative of Walker's group, Ophelia is horrible because killing her off, she has no intimate ties to the group. She's just this person that they found and helped and accepted, but there, there's no family relation. There's no uh, intrinsic value to that group uh, that she represents. Killing her off is not going to hurt them that much. They're going to be like, ah, shit, she died. That's a shame. Well, I guess moving on. Yeah, I, I guess, but... <laughs> I mean, they had to exchange somebody. So I, I think I, I I do get what you're saying, that it makes sense that Alicia, that uh, Madison would want to go back and get Alicia right away. But um, I don't know. I don't know if she was thinking along those lines, like, you know, he still has the advantage here because he gave us, you know, Ophelia. She just, she just wants her daughter back and she's not thinking yeah. about anything that can come good out of this arrangement that Jake has made. And I just wanted her to stop for a second and consider what she was about to do because she goes over there and she starts killing people and Troy's with her and he starts killing people. And, and that was bad. Now, having said that, I understand that just the episode before or, or whatever it was, Walker killed a whole bunch of broke job people at that outpost, scalped a dude alive, left a crow eating his brain. That's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. And if, you know, if that wasn't a declaration of war, then, you know, it certainly was when Madison and Jake went over to get Alicia back. But I could easily be convinced that Walker took the first shot here by killing all those people. And shooting the helicopter down. Well, also shooting the helicopter down. That's because right. She, he knew that that was the ranch's helicopter, right? And he wanted it. Shoot the helicopter down so that it crashes and then we have a helicopter. And they don't. Yeah, that's right. Although helicopter crashes. I mean, that's seems like there's a lot of maintenance to fix that up. 
Well, they have the expertise. He he talked about that. The I know. fact that they had uh, mechanics from the uh, the air force or the military or whatever, uh, and they could they felt that they could fix up a crashed or a downed helicopter. Yeah, I guess so. But maybe they didn't want to shoot it down so it crashed. Maybe they wanted to shoot it so that uh, you know helicopters when they uh, they start spewing smoke like they do in all the movies, and then they spin around a little bit, and then they land, and everybody's fine. But it was just a hard landing, and then you you, you know you fix the hole and whatever the hole led to that you shot where the smoke was spewing out and you're good to go and then fix the, the, the landing struts because they're probably all bent to shit. Mm-hmm. But I think it landed a little harder than he anticipated, but maybe he's been shooting down helicopters for like three weeks. So, uh, he has like seven <laughs> or eight of them that he can pull parts from. It did seem to have a, f- a few different things there. He said he's soon going to have his own air force, which was the helicopter. Yeah, I know. Uh, the, um, what was I going to say about the helicopter? I don't know. I'm not sure. I I did think it was a pretty emotional scene when when Alicia was standing there looking at the helicopter and she realizes that this is what happened. You know, he shot it down and he, he she turns to him and says, "I hate you for shooting down this helicopter." That was pretty good. Yeah, it was good. the The only the only thing I felt that was missing here was that the uh, you know the conversation of uh, ancestral burial. Uh, came up in this uh, in the conversation between Alicia Alicia and uh, Walker, and uh, Alicia didn't ask, "What'd you do with my father?" Like, I don't. Where is he? I don't is think. He, did you just leave him on the ground out there somewhere, or did you bury him? Did you burn him? What happened? I don't think they ever found him. I think he's he landed in a a forest of trees, and and his body is never to be found again. Okay, well, tell us that then. Like they were just talking about this stuff. Yeah, you shot and killed my father. Uh, my Personal thought would be, you know, ask, do you know where he is? Mm-hmm. Is he lying out on the ground or did you find him and then bury him? Did you find him and then cut off his head and then scatter him through the four winds? Uh, you know, chop him up into little bits for squirrels? Like what? You're right. I think they could have done, <laughs> they could have done a lot with that. You know, just a little bit of closure for Alicia yeah. and Madison, maybe, and Nick. Right. So, um, getting back to Madison... I thought that the scene in the second episode, I guess towards the end where Madison, um, uh, where Nick and Alicia find out that she lied about their, sorry, Alicia finds out from Nick and Madison that they lied about Troy killing the Trimbles. I thought that was pretty powerful. That was good. And I think it did two things. One, it showed that Madison is kind of bad <laughs> and i and I, I know that sounds sort of like a weaker statement but she's not a very good person she exactly she is a massive hypocrite to her family is the most important thing as long as it's her family absolutely that's why i love it so much and this that, is this is this makes me happy and and all tingly inside i'm i'm enjoying this so she's rather villainous if i do exactly yeah so. i love it Uh, I don't know. I thought it was an amazing scene because I mean, even Alicia sort of cuts her off. Mass is trying to explain herself and Alicia's like, I cannot, it is impossible to understand this. Yeah. That's a horrible thing to do. You, you, you did wrong and I don't condone it in any way, shape or form. Yeah. It's to, to Alicia, there's no black or white here. This is just wrong. And, uh, and Madison doesn't see it that way. She's like, sure. They died. It was a whole family. They died, but you guys are safe. No, I, I used it. Well, they were dead anyway, right? It's not like she planned their death. Well, so, she hid it from 
her yeah, kids. She used it to her advantage. Right. Right. But it's not it's not like she chose to kill that family in order to save her family. They were already dead. Right? So it's a little bit better. It's pretty it's pretty nasty and underhanded still, mm-hmm. but it's not as bad as uh, you know, I would rather wipe out that whole family in order to save my family. It's I would rather use the deaths of that family in a way that helps save my family. Unless you think she convinced Troy to go do it. Yeah, which would be awesome. I don't think that that actually happened, but man, if it was premeditated and she used him to do that, that'd be wicked and and good, like wicked in a good way and wicked in a bad way. Oh, so many meanings. So many sides to that <laughs> statement, yeah. Yeah. I'm not so sure she she uh, sent him to do it, but no. regardless, the way she used those people's deaths to her own advantage was just very, very sneaky and and just evil almost almost evil yeah we're getting there we're getting there she sure is and there was one line when uh when she came back from uh uh saving alicia and uh jeremiah came out and said uh uh you know it was his show and uh you didn't listen to him you know you didn't give parlay a chance uh and then he said the line uh, those that don't listen have to be brought to heel someday mm-hmm. uh, my first thought was man you better listen to medicine because you'll be brought to heel. I thought it was completely reversed. Well, he was. He was brought to heel more or less. Exactly. At the end, you know? <laughs> but I saw that coming right then. I'm like, oh shit, you just spoke your own death words right there, buddy. Uh, if you're not listening to medicine, you're going to be brought to heel. Yeah, he was. We'll talk about the, his, his death scene in a minute. But, um, you know, speaking of being, or, or last words, I should say, Let's go to Strand here for a minute. So sure. Strand is hanging around. He doesn't know what to do. And he ends up back at the Abigail, the boat. Yeah, in the middle of a cocaine party, it looks like. Well, something is going on there. So there's a bunch <laughs> of zombies on the boat. People are wearing um, uh, boating attire, it looks like. Um, yeah, so there's two groups. There was one group of uh, what looked like some kind of law enforcement officers. Right. And the other group was obviously uh, uh, dressed as people who enjoy cocaine. (laughs) How do you figure that? (laughs) Because they killed one of the law enforcement officers right on this big table covered in cocaine. It was covered in coke. God, I didn't even notice that, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, it was all over the place. It was like there was like bags of coke and there was like a big mirror and it was just all smeared everywhere. It was a big party they were having. All right. Huge champagne everywhere and coke champagne and coke on a big boat. Awesome. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> anyway, Strand ends up there, and he ends up, like you said, drinking some Dom Perignon and talking to a Russian cosmonaut on the radio. I got to admit, I feel like this was a little bit weird. And the first time I watched it, it felt like a scene out of Last Man on Earth. Well, and it I'll just was. I'll just leave a, that yeah. right there. But but do, you don't think it was strange that, like, of all people to hear on the radio. Somebody in space? Well, it was obviously because uh, it came. The, the cosmonaut came in over static and then went out over static. So it was as the space station was passing by overhead. Right. Right. So that's you know the cosmonaut was continuously broadcasting uh, to see if there was anybody. And Strand and uh, uh, happened to be right underneath where it was passing by overhead. So it was within range that he could uh, his radio could pick it up and could have a conversation. So it was a little bit odd, but 
you know, if any piece of technology is working other than what's on the Abigail, uh, it's going to be something in space where there's no zombies yet. It is going to be the space station. That's true. But that guy won't turn into a zombie probably when he dies because he's he was up in space and he's never been exposed to whatever it is on Earth unless he took it up with him. Right. So it all depends. It all depends on the circumstances. Maybe he was the only one there. Maybe he knows other cosmonauts or uh, he didn't, they didn't actually say what space station he was on. It broke up in static. Did you notice that? Uh, he said, I'm cosmonaut or Yuri, blah, blah, blah. I'm on the space station and it just broke up. So they didn't say the ISS or anything, right? Uh, so they didn't specifically say where he was in space. Isn't, That's fine. Isn't the ISS the only space station up there? For us, yes. This is an alternate reality. Remember, there's zombies in this world. <laughs> oh, so you're saying there's probably other space stations. <laughs> there might be. It might be okay. there's no ISS. But anyway, they they garbled that up. I guess they didn't get permission to use it. I don't know if it's copyrighted or you need permission to, to do that. But whatever. They didn't say it. He's just a cosmonaut on a space station that passed by overhead. We don't know if there's other cosmonauts that turned into zombies when they died and he killed them or what's happening. But we do know that he's you know stuck in space. Uh, and there's no way to get down. And he's running out of food and he's no, and he's going to die up there. He said, I'm speaking to you from my grave. Doesn't the space station have lifeboats? I know that they have a design for, uh, re-entry vehicles, uh, that are just like very dumb kind of things that they can use to get back to earth. But I don't know if they actually implemented them anyway. Like escape pods, you get in it and shoot yourself towards earth and down you go. Yeah, they're they're shaped like little uh, little planes, like a little space shuttle with like uh, heat shielding on the bottom. And then once you hit the atmosphere, they don't have engines or anything. They just they jettison off, pointed at the Earth, and then you pilot them. And then when you hit the air atmosphere, you use the uh, the heat heat shielding to air brake and do maneuvers to slow down because the shuttle actually does that, right? It does a bunch of big S turns, mm-hmm. uh, and then like it's like um, drifting around corners for cars. They do the same thing in a space shuttle in the high atmosphere to slow down. And they then they kind of skidding. Okay. And then they come in for a landing. So they're, I think they designed or in the process of designing something similar for the space station in case those people get stuck up there and they have to get the F out. Uh, and this way they don't just die if there's no, you know, reentry vehicle parked there at the moment. Right. So he might've had one of those, but it doesn't sound like he did or was able to use it. Yeah. Who knows? Um, anyways, I thought the whole thing was a little bit strange, but when I rewatched it, sort of, maybe it's because I knew it was coming. I, I was a little more okay with it. If you listen to what they do in that scene, it's Strand and this guy who are in a way in the same boat, no pun intended. Um, you know, they're both sort of lost. They both don't have anybody. They're stuck. They feel like they're kind of on their last legs here. And what are they going to do? And they talk about, you know, people's last, last lines, uh, last or final words of their life kind of thing, which I thought was, was pretty great. And then what it did for Strand is it kind of, it almost reset him. It put him back to the beginning. You know, it, he, he started the show, not, not literally on the boat, but basically on the boat. That's where he was trying to get to in season one. And he ended up on the boat. The the Russian says to him, the world will not die until you die. And so Strand is reinvigorated. He burns down the boat, leaves it behind him, takes what he can and moves on. So it, it kind of, 
to me, it kind of just resets Strand back to the beginning. He doesn't have anybody, but he's going out on his own again, and he's going to try to find a way to survive. Yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed about uh, him getting ready to leave the boat was that some of the shots were really interesting. Sometimes Strand was level, and like the, the camera was level with Strand, and the boat was crooked. Other times, the boat was straight, and Strand was at an, at an angle. It was really cool. <laughs> That's cool that they do that. The boat was obviously leaning on its side, right? Beach yep. there, sort of, anyways. Uh, so that's cool. Why not? I mean, it, 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 it's a way of portraying kind of the uneasiness of boat travel, maybe. Yeah, much like uh, the 1960s Batman, when every time they went to a bad guy's lair, uh, the camera was crooked. <laughs> because but you didn't know that. Did you know that? It, it, no, I didn't know that. But that's so that you always knew you were in a bad guy's lair. Yeah, it was just, you know, it was a campy show. So that's how one of the campy ways they decided to show that uh, it was the uh, perspective of one of the bad guys. Well, there you go. In this case, it was just a boat on its side. Yeah. Why did Strand burn the boat? Why didn't he just leave? It's symbolic. He's leaving it behind him. He's burning down everything that's come before, and he's starting fresh. So it's it's his baptism by fire instead of water, even it's though it. he had to cross through water, and that would have sufficed? Well, you know, exactly. It's his baptism by fire instead of water, and uh, it, it means they can't really ever go back to the Abigail, and I'm fine with that. Maybe it was the same thing as... Uh, Damn it, the other guy, Ophelia's father. Quick, what's his name? Uh, Daniel. Uh, yeah, Daniel Salazar. Yeah. He kind of did his baptism by fire, right? He basically uh, came through a fire and came out the other side as a, as a slightly different person until he became the same person he used to be. But anyway, uh, maybe it's very symbolic uh, having to do with, uh, with Daniel is that uh, he needed to, he felt like he needed to escape a fire. Because mm-hmm. he was in that fire, and then he put on his sunglasses so he could see the fire better before he got the hell out of there. Well, so he could... And everybody looks cool with big mirror sunglasses and a giant fire raging in the reflection. That's that's true. He should have still been wearing that white uh, white jacket. That would have been cool. Ah, oh, that would have been cool, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I think it's just him putting the past behind him. So despite the, sh- the, the stuff with Strand at first feeling a little weird and kind of... I felt like they didn't really quite know what they were doing with Strand. You know, they left him, Daniel left him to die, and now he's on his own. So where's he going? He's aimless, and he, he goes back onto the boat. And I, even though he fought off the zombies on the boat, I feel like when he got there, it felt like Strand was going back to the Abigail to die. But right. then he spoke to the cosmonaut, and he realized that <laughs> at least I'm not that guy <laughs> stuck up there. <laughs> and that guy's screwed. Yeah. He doesn't even have any vodka or cocaine. No, I've got all the booze and cocaine I want right here. Exactly. So that I just think turned him around and I'm 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 interested to see what happens to Strand now, you know? He's fresh. He can do anything he wants. Go yeah. go anywhere. Uh, he's he's going to meet up with Daniel Salazar again and they're going to start a buddy cop movie. I'm not so sure that's going to happen. Um I think Strand I think what's going to happen is Strand eventually will find his way and reconnect with Madison and everybody. And I think Ophelia will find her way or her father will find her. And now we're going to have Ophelia and her father against um, Strand and Madison and everybody. Right. And it's convenient that these two uh, organizations, the uh, the ranch and uh, Walker's group, are fighting over uh, water in a drought. And Daniel Salazar and Strand know exactly where you can get all the fresh water uh, that you could possibly drink. There is a huge dam, and they're going to be on opposite sides of both wanting that water. Yeah. Hmm. I think we got this show figured out, Mr. Miles. 
Yeah, I think so. Let's talk about Ophelia. Uh, she ends up with Walker, of course, after Otto finds her in the desert and then basically leaves her to die. Like, this guy is such a prick, man. <laughs> such- he is. Let me, I have like seven things to say about what you just, the words you just used. So, first of all, when Ophelia shows up at uh, at Walker's group, or what's it called, Black Hat? Yep. Uh, way Station or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, so, uh, when... Alicia finds Ophelia. It's just, it's like they're in mid conversation. Did that seem abrupt to you? Cause I watched the episode like three times up to there because I felt like I missed something. Uh, it just, it seemed kind of confusing that Ophelia was just all of a sudden there. Wait a minute. When, when Alicia finds Ophelia, the, the Ophelia shows up when Alicia and Jake right at the beginning are yeah. talking to Walker in the diner. It's black hat diner. Maybe. Yeah. It, whatever. Whatever. Uh, it's a gas station. It's a way station. I'm right. calling it the way station. Okay. So she shows up serving them food. And so Alicia recognizes her at that point. Okay. So that's the thing I missed. Yeah, I watched yeah. the show like three times and I missed that every single time. I knew she would show up in the background somewhere because that conversation seemed a little abrupt to me. So thank you. This is why. Yeah. She serves such them the a food. good man. And I enjoy talking to you about this show because I tried. I try. I had my eyeballs on the goddamn screen for 15 minutes three times to try and figure out what the hell I missed. And all I needed to do is talk to you for five seconds. Well, you know what? It, it, it took me a second to recognize Ophelia, to be quite honest in that, in that opening scene with Jake and she brings the food over because she has different hair. She got braids. She looks different. And, um, I wasn't expecting her there. Right. Because you expect her to be at broke jaw because the last we knew, uh, Jeremiah Otto found her in the desert. So we assumed he had her somewhere, but, uh, we find out later that, you know, he found her, gave her a little bit of water when he realized she was American, but then said, brown people are not allowed or are not welcomed in my home. So screw you. I'm going to leave you here to die. So that guy is yeah. just a fucking asshole. <laughs> he's a total fucking it. asshole. What's he doing patrolling the border? Well, who knows what he's doing patrolling the border? I think he's just out. I don't know. He's he's out looking for Mexicans to shoot, it seems like. <laughs> It really does. You know, like when I saw that happen, I thought that this was like a year ago. Like there was this, we're going back a year to where they met. And then we're going to figure out how she uh, ended up back in Mexico and then came back. I was trying to get across the border again because I didn't understand why the hell Jeremiah was patrolling the border and why he like, yeah, he's looking for Mexicans. I don't know. And, and people crossing the border. And once he finds out she's American without any proof, it's like, I was like, if you're going to say, or, oh, you're American, it's just because you don't have an accent. Is that, you know, the, the criteria he's using for Seems this Seems to case? be. Seems to be it. Yeah. Oh, you're American and that's it. Okay. Good luck. See you later. Because yeah. I don't like brown people and brown people aren't allowed in my car or in my home. No. But yeah, total asshole. It's just to confuse me. Why is he, you know, if he's got this ranch that he's in charge of, uh, why is he patrolling the border? Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know what he's doing. All he said to her is, I'm needed at home. So... So what the hell are you doing here? I Why are you, know. like, what are you doing, buddy? It's weird. It is strange. Uh, it, it, it feels like they, they threw that scene in at the end of last season before they knew where it was going. And then they rewrote it to, to fit into this storyline with, with Walker and, uh, and what he was doing. I don't know that for sure, but it kind of feels like they changed it late. Yeah. You know? Maybe Jeremiah 
since uh, the the apocalypse, he has to spend a lot of time at the ranch, and he doesn't really get an opportunity to do some serious drinking and driving. So every once in a while, he needs to go out and just drive around completely drunk. Because when he left Ophelia on the road and he drove down off the uh, that little hill, he's going way too fast. He was like, really that was moving. dangerous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So maybe it was just you know I want to go drinking and driving and shooting at people coming across across the border, unless they're Americans. And I assume that they're Americans because they have good, uh, you know, a, a good accent. Or a an, um, um, non-Mexican accent. Well, that's a, that's a good accent. To him, to him, I guess. Exactly. Yes, yeah, so all perspective. Anyways, back to, I mean, regarding Ophelia, uh, I was surprised to see her with Walker. I do kind of feel like she was just a bit of a pawn in this, in all this, all the goings on of these episodes. She was traded a couple of times. She went back and forth a couple of times. She was used by Walker to deliver the anthrax. Did she make a choice in this whole episode? Uh, I mean... Or two episodes? Like, she, any choices? She stood up to Walker when she found out that it was anthrax, right? She said, you turned me into a murderer. So she stood up to him, but he just accused her of making her own choices, right? And she didn't have to do anything she didn't want to, so... She didn't make any choices. I'm not so sure she, she did. Yeah, but you, you know, standing up, that's not really a choice. Just like mad at you for using me. Well, but at least she's, at least she's trying to, uh, make herself heard or, or, you know what I mean? Like, at least she's trying to stand up for herself, but. But nothing involved in this plot involved any choices by her, right? She shows up across the border. She doesn't have a choice because, uh, uh, you know, Jeremiah leaves her there and then Walker finds her and takes her and gives her food. And then, uh, they trade her to the ranch. Uh, as a hostage, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then she gets brought back to Walker, right? And then gets sent back as a uh, as a pawn after they beat her up, right? Uh, and they send her back as a pawn. Uh, she does her thing. I guess that's a choice. Well, she do the thing she was sent there to do. I I guess she didn't have to do it, but she. I suppose it's a choice, but I mean, she was sent to fool them and to poison the coffee. So and everybody else in this show got to make a choice. She didn't get to make any choices in this episode. Yeah. So in my opinion, she had zero character development. I mean, it was nice to see her again. I think the show was trying to build up a little bit of the where is Ophelia mystery. And then it fell flat a little bit here. Yeah. But that said, I was, I was, I was glad to see the character again. And I think she'll probably do interesting things moving forward because she does have to reconnect with her father. Uh, but you're right. In these two episodes, she was just a bit of a pawn moving back and forth and that's it. Yep. I also thought at the very end of, uh, episode seven, for me, it was a bit of a stretch how easily Nick realized that it was her that poisoned the coffee. Basically all hell's breaking loose. It's night. There are some zombies around and people are fighting them. He sees her come out of that shack and like turn the other way to, to run away and he immediately says to his mother, oh, my God, it was Ophelia. She poisoned the coffee. <laughs> I'm like, how did you come to that conclusion? You know, how did you figure that out just from seeing her walk out? I mean, did he just see her and realize she's an outsider? She must have done this, which is very, you know, Jeremiah Otto like, to be honest. But but I just think, you know, couldn't she have just been running away from all the danger? Just because she was running away doesn't mean she's done something horrible. Maybe it triggered a memory. Maybe it's like, oh, that's what that powder was that she put in the coffee. I thought it was cocaine or speed or something. Yeah, I think but it's it a turns stretch. out it was something that was making us ill. 
Yeah, it turns out it was anthrax, and it's killing people. Unless you're strong and young, then you'll survive, as Walker said. So was Walker uh, using anthrax uh, in retaliation for the white man using smallpox on uh, uh, Native Americans? I don't know if it was that blatant, but... It was to me. Okay. You know, he used poison to kill them, and that's what uh, what they, they gave smallpox blankets to the uh, to the Native Americans to give them smallpox to kill them. Mm-hmm. It, it just it drew a great big long parallel to me. I, I'm surprised it didn't come up in conversation. Yeah, I, I see it now, but I didn't think of it at the time. I thought he was just able to fabricate anthrax out of animal hides, as he said, and then... He figured that was a good way to take out the militia, right? They're the people that can fight and defend the ranch, he can poison and kill them all, and that's just going to make you know his job easier to take the place over. Which is exactly what the white man did to the Native Americans yeah. to make it easier to take over. So an eye for an eye. Eye for an eye kind of thing. And, you know, uh, it's really hard to get a hold of smallpox nowadays, but uh, I guess anthrax from uh, animal hides is fairly straightforward, apparently. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I mean, I didn't even know you could do that kind of thing, but. I thought anthrax was, uh, yeah, I didn't know what it was or where it came from. I, I assume it's a potion of some kind. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Mix a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and boom, you have anthrax. Exactly. Alchemy. Alchemy. Make it with alchemy. Uh, you know, with Ophelia at Brokejaw, the only other thing I was, wanted to maybe ask you about is the first time she's back there. There's a scene between her and Otto. He comes to speak with her and he basically tries to convince her to let bygones be bygones and say, you know, I know I wasn't very nice to you out there and I left you to die, but here you are again and let's just try (laughs) to be friends now. I don't understand why she was down in the pantry. Well, because they bring everybody down there. You know, if you're going to have a prisoner, you bring them down right next to the guns and ammo. That's the standard operating procedure in this place. Okay, but was she in some kind of confined area? Like, do they have a holding cell down there? Because it seemed like they were holding her down there, but I thought, what a strange place to keep someone. Very strange. Where all your stuff is, unless they have a cell that they can put people in. She wasn't in a cell. It didn't seem like it, but maybe, maybe there's like fences around. I don't know. I don't know. She Maybe they have different uh, departments in the, uh, uh, in here that, uh, that, that gets sectioned off by fencing. I don't know. It's, it did seem odd to me because yeah. in the background, you could see the racks of guns. You could like, see let's, the guns. Uh, let's, let's lock her in this place with all of our uh, equipment, guns, and food. And it's like, we'll bring you some food. She said, I'm not hungry. It's like, well, we'll bring it anyway. To me, uh, the answer should have been, uh, I'll, we'll bring you some food. It's like, this is where the food is. Like this, <laughs> this right here, this is where all the food is. You don't have to bring me food. If yeah. I'm hungry, I'll eat some of all this food that's right here. I, I just felt it was a strange place to keep her and I didn't quite understand it because then Otto finishes the conversation. He leaves and he just leaves her in there. So it must have been a cell or something because yeah. why else would you have her down there? It kind of reminded me of, uh, say, uh, you were causing a ruckus outside of a McDonald's and they, uh, they decided to hold you for the police to come and they held you in the middle of the kitchen. Like they're just like, okay, stand here in the middle of the kitchen until the police come and we'll bring you some food. It's like, this is the kitchen. <laughs> that's, that's where <laughs> McDonald's keeps their food and their weapons after There's all. French fries right there, <laughs> right, right there. I don't need you to bring me some food. It's French fries. I put food in air quotes. Speaking <laughs> about McDonald's. <laughs> Yeah. McDonald's has 11 ingredients in their French fries. 
How the hell do you put 11 ingredients in French fries? Well, a lot of them are preservatives. I don't know. Or taste crystals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Potion of some kind, I assume. I assume. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, speaking of Jeremiah, um, I think what I did like about the character in this episode is that he stuck to his guns right to the end. I don't agree with his guns, but yeah. he stuck to them. His uh, level of stuck to was uh, rather high. It was really, it was rather high. At the same time, in that final conversation with, um, with Madison, he denounces his own sons, which said a lot about him. Kind of a coward. He's the biggest dick ever. He really is. But I, but I also like that he, he truly seemed to have no idea what to do and how to handle this situation. All he was going to do was board up his house and make one final last stand against his enemy. No interest in his own preservation if it meant if it meant compromising his questionable morals. Yeah. And I, I, I like that about the character. I just don't think he's a very good human being. Yeah. And if he designed his house to be the uh, the last stand, why would he have to nail up boards? Wouldn't he have designed some way of like, you know, shutters that would, you know, close and lock and then you'd have the boards already yeah. there? Yeah, he did say that. You know, you press a button, everything slams closed. Like maybe not that, but you know, actually going out and closing actual physical shutters made out of hardwood. Yeah, that's all he's doing is nailing hardwood to the windows. And he kind of talked about that. He said he has a bunch of supplies in the basement, and he did, he built this house to be its his final standing place or well, whatever. That, that's where the pantry is. It's under his house, right? They yeah, mentioned that's that right. right at the, the beginning. So that's, that's why right. the pantry is there. He has all the guns. He has all the food. He has all the prisoners. Uh, he has all the guests that he brings into the pantry on a regular basis. He has all the regular shoppers that go in there and pick up eggs and flour and shit. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, they pick up all the condoms, uh, but uh, apparently they don't have scissors because uh, Nick had to cut his hair with a knife because the pantry has condoms, but it does not have scissors. Well, Nick likes to do things the hard way and cutting your hair with a knife is the hard way. I'm surprised he didn't use his new gun because he loves that gun now. Oh God. Yeah. He- <laughs> I'm going to give myself a haircut with a handgun. <laughs> Ow, bang! <laughs> Cut a, I can grab a clump of hair and shoot it off. Another yeah. clump of hair and shoot it off. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I think it, it kind of bugged me that Nick was so willing to join the militia, if we can jump over to Nick for a second, because he started this season as not a gun guy. He even said something like that, and suddenly he's joining the militia and drinking anthrax. But That was, uh, well, anthrax coffee. I know, I, mean, I know. You know, but, if I had a choice... He did, <laughs> he did, um, he did tell Jeremiah, you know, he did confront him at the end and say, this is their land. I mean, you are being a dick about this whole thing, but I just think he, he changed his attitude towards everything rather quickly over the course of this season. He did. It was, it was, uh, an abrupt change in character to a- going from, uh, this is a beautiful gun. Isn't that a contradiction in terms mm-hmm. to, I love this gun. I love all guns. I want to join the militia to use all the guns because I right. love all the guns. Yeah. And I, it's a bit of a nitpick, to be honest, because it's not that big a deal, but it just, it felt like his character flip-flopped rather quick. Now, he is only 19. We found that out in this episode. She, Madison says his age, he's 19. And 19-year-olds have not developed into full opinionated human beings, adults yet. So they are going to be easily influenced and flip-flop. So maybe you can explain it that way. It could be. I mean, 19-year-olds do have a lot of hormones. 
uh, flowing through their body, they which do. can make things difficult to uh, make this, you know, concrete decisions, rational decisions. But, you know, this is, when I was 19, I totally would so disagree with that statement. I thought I had my shit together when I was 19. Oh, absolutely. So did most, so do most 19 year olds, but none of them I joined the militia. I joined the reserves. I joined when I was 17, but I was in the reserves when I was 19. Huh. And I'm not a gun guy. No, not really. Anyway. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Uh, Oh, we did find out that Alicia is 18. Madison says it. Yeah, that's. Feet. I was so happy. I'm like, yay! She had a birthday at some point. She had a birthday at some point, so she's 18, so she can have all the Jake sex she wants. Legal sex, and I for her. and I and I don't have to worry about it. That's right. Yeah, it's a moot point. <laughs> it is. It is. I wonder. I they must have they must have known there'd be weirdos like me out there going, but isn't she 17? <laughs> and so they wrote that line of dialogue in. Maybe they heard you and like, man, that Chris is a weirdo. We better address that. I don't think there'd be time. I, what did I say that? Like f- maximum three weeks ago? Four, maybe? Yeah, you're probably right. Maybe they did the whole thing in post. Maybe, you know, sometimes they have dialogue when people's backs are to the camera. Uh, you know, I didn't see her lips move and say it, but, you know, I could go back and check the footage. I'm not gonna, because it's more fun to just speculate. Uh, they could have added it in post. They could have f- added it in post, like, Three days ago and put it in the episode just for you, Chris. I guess. It's more fun to pretend that I had some influence on the show, even though there's no way in hell. Yeah. <laughs> Although we all know that that um, in the main show, they included Daryl referencing the plant Jasper because you were calling Axel Jasper. Yeah, and, which I believe is his real name. Which you... Uh, it's not. It's Lou Temple, but... Right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I, we all know that's a that's a true fact. So... There you go. Who knows? So what true. I named my son Jasper. There you go. <laughs> uh, uh, so back to Jeremiah. He, you know, not uh, nobody agrees with this guy. In the final montage of the episode of episode eight, while that incredible cover of Stand By Me is playing. I thought, yeah, it, was it, was nice. I thought it was amazing. It was um, there is a shot that is my favorite shot of the whole episode. It's a shot of Madison and the kids standing on Jeremiah's balcony after Nick has shot him and they've taken out his body. And the camera is looking out at them, at their backs. They're looking out over the the Brokejaw Ranch. And it mirrored a shot, a very similar shot from a few episodes ago of Jeremiah doing exactly the same thing. And I thought it was a good shot when we saw Jeremiah standing there. It's an even better one when we see the new leader of this place standing there in the same place with her two children at her yep. side, uh, you know, out overlooking. I just, it was a chilling reminder of who's in charge now for me. And I loved it. Yeah. Instead of Jeremiah and his two children, we've got Madison and her two children. That's right. So good. And so good. Jeremiah's two children. <laughs> well, they're doing something else. They're carrying his body out, but you know, it was great. I just, it was, it was good storytelling. And they've, they've, they've done that well in this show. Uh, the more I think about it, you know, with the pig head at the beginning and the auto head at the end and having Jeremiah stand up overlooking his domain in one episode, and then he is overthrown and the new leader is standing over the, looking over the domain. It's the little things that, that really enhance the story for me. So I think they've done a great job with that. Yeah. And then just the, the very end, I thought was really powerful too. When Madison delivers Otto's head to Walker, the way she drops it on the ground, he picks it up and leaves it. She kind of closes her eyes. It's like a long, slow blink almost, right? She closes her eyes and then she opens them again and you just get the feeling that she's 
she's seeing things in a new way. Yeah. You know, and she is now the boss. So, um, very, very cool stuff. I, I have a couple of other quick, maybe notes here to say, I think Nick's haircut makes him look a lot younger. You think so? I didn't yeah. Know, I didn't think that. Maybe. As, as soon as he cut his hair, I'm like, oh my God, he actually looks like a teenager now. Before I thought he looked like a late twenties, early thirties kind of kind of person which felt a little old for a 19 year old guy but i think the haircut makes him look a lot younger so i like it uh we talked about madison being 18 oh and then in the in the scene where jake is treating everybody in uh, everyone who's drank the anthrax coffee yep um nick is kind of recovered and he wants to be unhandcuffed from the bed and he says to jake that he needs to let him go because, you know, you might need this bed more than, more than I do. And I think they were implying that Jake was sick as well, but he doesn't want people to see him suffering. So what's wrong with him? Like, is he, is he dying of something? I hope not. I well, he's got a big cut on his head, right? Maybe that's it. Well, that's true. He almost had his hair cut off. Uh, but Scalp. <laughs> yeah, I know. But is that all? Like he just, he's just tired. He needs rest. He's not actually sick with something, right? I, well, I didn't get that impression at all. Oh, okay. But I've missed other things in these episodes, even though I've seen them multiple times. So, uh, maybe. I That's a pretty big thing to miss, though. I guess he could be. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, it, it seems strange that, that they were sort of trying to imply something there that didn't really go anywhere. So, I honestly don't think it's anything, but uh, I noticed it at the time, so. So, there you go, man. Uh, mid-season finale, big double episode. I thought it was pretty good i think the whole first half of this season has been good i said last week that there hasn't been anything really spectacular but also nothing really terrible either it's all been kind of quality solid middle of the road tv uh but i think these two episodes brought it up a notch for me and i think they, they did bring it up a notch they they really ramped up to this and and delivered in these these two episodes i was happy with it i do have one question though and this is, uh, this is something for our, our listeners, uh, maybe you too, Chris, but uh, when Ophelia first, uh, after she poisoned the coffee and everybody drank some, uh, and she was, uh, she waited until everybody drank the coffee and then left and then was still in the shack until everybody started getting sick. And then she decided that that was the point to flee because that's when Jake saw her, right? Uh, Nick, you mean, I think, th Nick, I think yes. the idea was that she could escape amongst all the commotion. But she was in the, the coffee shack. She was in the she was in the the um, Clark shack with Madison and the kids. Right. Okay. Well, whenever she was running away, she got to that truck and then right. pulled down the visors and the keys keys fell out. That's a thing. That that's that's where is keys that are a kept, real thing? That's where is keys that are just kept a TV, TV thing? Well, that's that's a TV thing. <laughs> well, that's why I want to ask the listeners at large: Does anybody store their keys in the visor of their car? I think the idea is this is the zombie apocalypse. You may have to flee at any time, so you don't want to be looking around for your keys. You always know they're there. That way, you can just get up and go. You're in the car. You can start it and you can leave. So I think it's a I think it's a prepper thing. I would keep my keys in my pocket. I would yeah. keep my keys by you know in my go bag by the door if it was a prepper thing and I was properly prepped. I'd have a copy of all my keys in the bag along with a couple of hundred dollars and some food and a pair of shoes and couple of pairs of socks, at least two pairs of socks. Mm -hmm. I can't reiterate that enough. You, even though you don't wear socks at home, you might need them on the road. Yeah, it's, you know, outside, uh -huh. I wear socks. I hate <laughs> right. wearing socks, but sometimes you got to wear socks. I wear socks to mow the lawn because otherwise, you know, it 
shit gets kicked up and beats the shit out of my ankles. Nothing but socks. He just goes out there in socks and walks yeah, around on the grass. Yeah, because that's, that's safe. That's perfectly safe to cut the lawn in socks. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't think I'd leave my keys in the visor of the car. So well, look. Uh, and this is not just a, a apocalypse thing, right? Like, this is shown up in other TV shows and movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, you always check the visor. You always check under the plant right next to the front door for keys, because mm-hmm. that's the obvious place. Does anybody store, actually, real life, store keys in the visor of a car? I think the answer is probably no, but, you know, I don't know. I can't speak for all of humanity. Right. Even though I try sometimes. And if I was a, if I was a proper prepper, yeah. a, a prop, pick, pick a pick a pick a pick a Lena's proper pepper. Uh, I would, uh, I would jury rig the car to not need keys. I'd be just like, get in the car, push this friggin' button or flip this switch that you can buy at, uh, you know, a simple 12 volt switch that you can buy at any auto parts store, Canadian tire, whatever. Uh, you know, I'd rig it up so you wouldn't need a key. Just flick this switch. The car's running away. You go. No keys. Well, now, now you're thinking with gas, my friend. But that's what, what I would do. What I liked about that scene is Madison chasing her down, breaking the window with her elbow, which is a little, you know, uh, unrealistic, I think. But She's got very sharp elbows. I guess so. But then pulling Ophelia out of the car and beating the crap out of her. What did you do to my, what did you do to my son? Like, what did you give him? Yeah. Punch in between punches, like punch. Right. What did you do? Punch. Where is my punch? What? What have you done? Punch, you know, it's like, give her a second to answer your questions, dear. Right. <laughs> uh, we, we didn't talk about that, her, Madison taking Ophelia back to get the answer, uh, to get, of, of what, what the poison was. It was another one of those scenes where you have someone driving a car and the, and the, there's a person in the passenger seat with a gun pointed at them and then they get out. It, it, it does feel strange how easy it is to just drive into Black Hat sometimes and, and get out and, put a gun to someone's head and just walk into the place. But they needed to communicate the information, the anthrax to us. And yeah. I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, and it also gave Walker and Madison an opportunity to talk about how, you know, how she's aligned herself with the wrong side from his point of view and stuff like that. And that she's going to die if she stays with them. So all that worked for me, but just drive the whole driving there with the gun seemed a little <laughs> bit ridiculous. Just the last thing about uh, breaking the uh, the car window with your elbow. Oh. <laughs> if you're a proper prepper, and these people are proper preppers, you would have a uh, a knife with a, a window punch on it, uh, a little tiny blunt kind of spiky thing on the uh, the handle the the, uh, the handle of the blade that you could punch the uh, uh, out the window. I think Swiss Army knife sells a knife that has that's like. Three hundred dollars or something—it's crazy. It has a little punch on it for breaking windows, and has a little uh, knife for cutting seatbelts, specifically to cut yourself out of a seatbelt. Man, I didn't even know there was such a thing for punching out a window. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You can get uh, you can buy them. I think uh, there's no, no reason you can't buy them in Canada. I don't think they're not a weapon or anything. They're a safety device to be able to get out of cars that are you know doors that have that have been jammed. And if you're in an accident and you need to get out of the car, you pick up this thing and you just poke the window essentially and the whole thing shatters because oh, cool. it's tempered glass right mm-hmm. it's, it's meant to shatter into small blunt pieces so it doesn't cut you you just punch it shatters you're out of there well all right man it's in the in the zombie apocalypse it sounds like you know what you're gonna do you know what to do i read a lot on the internet <laughs> right i mean the internet's <laughs> gonna go away and you're gonna be fucked 
All right. Totally. This is why I'm going to be chum. If the, if everything breaks down, I am so screwed because, you know, no YouTube. What am I going to do without YouTube? <laughs> Can't learn anything without YouTube. <laughs> Anyways, good episodes. Um, you liked them too, it sounds like. So yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to season three coming back in August. Or August not not August, in September. They announced okay, the date, good. but I forget what it is now. But sometime in September, I assume uh, if they do the two the double episodes two weeks again, we'll get six weeks, right? Um, so it'll either be six or eight weeks before Walking Dead proper comes back. Uh, I have a feeling it's six. So we're going to get double and then five and then double or whatever it is. Double, four and double. Yeah. Makes sense. Yep. Why not? Uh all right. I do have a couple of emails from people that I want to do before we wrap things up. Listener feedback. First one comes from Ken in Sacramento. Ken writes, that's not how anthrax works. If you breathe in weaponized anthrax spores, it will cause death in two out of three victims, but it takes four to ten days for the spores to generate the lethal toxins in sufficient volume to cause death in a healthy human. And while anthrax can be lethal if ingested, it takes much longer. It takes a much longer period for that to happen. Part of the reason is that acidic environments can kill anthrax spores, say like in a pot of coffee or in stomach acid. The person who was at the most risk from the anthrax attack was actually Ophelia, since she would have breathed in anthrax spores while putting them in the coffee. Well, there you go. See? Somebody knows something about anthrax. I assumed it was a potion. If it was an anthrax, you know, a potion called anthrax, uh, then it would have worked. <laughs> yes, I guess so, but it wasn't. It was anthrax, and uh, apparently it will kill you most of the time, or at least uh, 60, two out of three times. Two out of three times. But <laughs> two out of three times you take anthrax, it'll kill you. <laughs> Never tell me the odds. <laughs> Thanks, Ken, for clarifying that. Finally here, just another one. Alex in Seattle writes, Just wanted to share with you my thoughts about the first half of Season 3. It rocked. The storylines were crisp and aligned. The characters were multidimensional and interesting. The autos were a perfect counterpart to the Clarks, and the interactions between different members were just right. Jeremiah and Nick, Alicia and Jake, and by far the best one, Madison and Troy. The introduction of the Native American camp and the natural adversaries was timely and didn't feel unnatural. They got right to the point of the conflict and to the eventual resolution. And finally, I must say something about Maddie Clark. She, to me, is by far the most interesting, deep, and captivating character, not just of this show, but the entire franchise. Sure, unlike Rick, uh, has a clear idea uh, of has a clear idea of how to survive the apocalypse while protecting. She, sorry, she, unlike Rick, has a clear idea of how to survive the apocalypse while protecting her family like Mama Bear protects her cubs. With Jeremiah out of the way, her possibilities are now endless. And I'm looking forward to seeing what is in store going forward. Cool. So I thought that was just a good summary of the first half of this season in general, and I agree with everything Alex has said. I think Madison is kind of turning evil but it's certainly interesting and she's an incredible character to watch and kim dickens dickens is doing a fantastic job with her she is she is i hope she goes full evil i'm looking she's descending into the dark side and i love it I'm loving every second of it loving every second of it yeah yeah i i agree i think it's great uh so thank you for alex in seattle for kind of 
encapsulating the first half of the season season in that email for us. Uh, it's great. And like you, and I think like Jason, I'm looking forward to uh, to the second half of this thing coming up in a, in a couple of months. It won't even be that long in uh, September cool. sometime. Okay, we are going to wrap up the podcast right now. Stay tuned for a little after-hours action coming your way when we're going to talk about that photo on our Facebook page and maybe a couple of other things quickly. But before that, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so by visiting TalkingDeadPodcast.com and uh, clicking Send Voicemail if you'd like to send a message, a recorded message to us. You can also find all of our old episodes there, of course, if you want to go back and listen to anything in the past. Visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. Find us on Twitter at talkingdead and send all your email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can help support the show by visiting patreon.com slash thetalkingdead where you can make a small monthly pledge or just use our Amazon links when you do your shopping at Amazon by visiting the website talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon and clicking on the country of your choice. All the money that comes our way goes into helping us put on the show with the costs of hosting and equipment and stuff like that. And we really appreciate everyone who helps out. And of course, everyone who listens too. So Jason, anything else before we wrap it up and get to the talking dead after hours? Uh, no, I'm good. All right. In that case, until next time, everyone, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao. All right. Welcome to the after show, everybody. Put the kids to bed and uh, hang out with us for a few minutes here while we, we talk about some stuff that didn't really come up or is unrelated to The Walking Dead necessarily. I think what we need to talk about this time, as I've said, of course, is this photo. So just in case anyone didn't see it, I do like to post when we aren't going to record on the regular schedule to let people know so that if you're looking for the episode, there is some sort of explanation when it doesn't come at the normal time. And I often do that on the Facebook page. And when I do that, I also like to post a photo. So a few weeks ago, I posted a picture of you and me from years ago, two separate pictures, both of us looking rather uh, drunk, but inebriated. I don't actually remember, you know, that, that, that's that moment, <laughs> not because I was hammered, but I have no idea what was going on. So I may, I was just mid blink. Oh, we were at a, we were at a, what was, I wouldn't say a party. We just, we're hanging out at your place. There was a bunch of, a bunch of people, maybe five or six people. Uh -huh. uh, you had started a fire uh, in your fireplace. This oh, was back good. when you actually had fire in your fireplace. Yeah. Uh, and so you were sitting in your easy chair right next to your fireplace and uh, you were slouching and lounging and enjoying the fire and the fine good beer. And uh, I took a picture. All right. Well, that's, that's what I was doing. So that was a few weeks ago. Yesterday, I posted a photo that I think is amazing. It is a photo of um, of a crib, and above the crib is a giant hole in the ceiling. So, Jason, do you want to tell us what this is all about? With light pouring through that giant hole. So, let me tell you a story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint you a word picture. All right. So, uh, yesterday, uh, a contractor started working on my roof. So, I'm getting a new roof. 
and they started uh, taking off all the old shingles and doing that kind of stuff. The uh, the contractor uh, told us that uh, the old roof that we had was a, a giant piece of crap and that all of the plywood on the roof had to be replaced. So uh, that was an extra cost that we knew was coming. But anyway, so they started peeling off all the old plywood and uh, putting on new plywood. And so uh, I'm in the basement of my house uh, working because that's where my office is. Uh, so I'm plugging away at the office and I hear a loud bang. And then, oh, this is going to be explicit, by the way. I hear fuck, 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 fucking stupid, fuck. And I go upstairs. I'm like, okay, somebody dropped something. I want to make sure that they're okay in case they, you know, they drop something on their foot uh, or whatever. So I walk upstairs onto the main floor and I'm looking out the back windows uh, to see if I can see what's going on. And I still hear fucking stupid, but it's coming from upstairs. So I go up another flight of stairs and one of the roofers is walking towards me down the hall. Uh, I don't have any doors out to the roof from my downstairs. And uh, I look behind him into Jasper's room and there's this hole that's in the picture uh, and just debris everywhere. And this guy's covered in debris and he's swearing up a storm. Uh, and so the first thing I ask him is, are you okay? Do I need to call an ambulance? Like, no, I just cut myself. And he comes downstairs and he goes outside and to go, <laughs> it's like, I got to tell my buddy, what happened? So we went outside and the other guy said, like, you just disappeared. What happened? So he was working on ripping off plywood off of the roof of the house. And so there was a giant gaping hole in the actual roof. He fell between the joists, landed on the insulation, went through the ceiling in the insulation and landed in Jasper's crib. He landed physically in the crib and had to crawl out of it. I asked him later, did you land in the crib or beside it? He's like, no, I landed in the crib. So he fell 10 feet through my ceiling into my son's crib. Uh, he's okay. He cut his finger. We uh, had a first aid kit. We washed his hands, uh, got some bandages on there. Uh, he didn't seem to have any other injuries. He was like apologetic and very, very cursive. He was just swearing up a storm. Uh, he wanted, he insisted on cleaning up. He's like, oh, my boss is going to kill me. My brother's going to kill me. Uh, they're going to rip me a new one. I guess his brother is the foreman on the job. Uh, he started cleaning up all this stuff in the room. And I'm like, okay, buddy, you need to relax. Like adrenaline is a painkiller and can really mask injuries if you have uh, a high adrenaline level. So, But he insisted on cleaning up. So after about five minutes, uh, I noticed him walking outside and he was limping. So I just went out there and I said, look, you've got to sit down. Like just sit, take a breath. I gave him, I had Gatorade in the fridge. I just, I gave him a Gatorade. I said, sit and just relax. Uh, and he's just like, I'm so sorry for breaking the house. I'm so sorry for putting the hole in there. Uh, a little bit later, I told him, I said, look, I want you to know it's a hole in my house. I don't care about that. Like, I know it's going to get fixed. I don't give a shit about that. I'm not mad at you. I'm more concerned about your well-being than I am about the hole in the ceiling. Uh, I am a little freaked out that he fell into my son's crib. It uh, happened to be that Je uh, Jenny and Jasper were downtown. They were not in the house. Uh, there is a possibility that if they were home and Jasper wouldn't have been sleeping at that time or nor would he have been sleeping with all the hammering going on, but he might've been in the crib as a staging area for, you know, changing. You changed, you, you know, you change him, we put him in the crib and then we go wash our hands kind of thing. He might've been in there and it, even if I think about it now, 
It freaks me out a little bit, so I'm not going to dwell on it too much. The fact that uh, he could have been standing in his crib, essentially, because he wouldn't have been sitting or lying down. He would have been standing, yelling, hey, why are you not paying attention to me at this particular moment? Uh, and a 160-pound man would fall three feet on top of him, along with a whole lot of construction debris. A little freaks me out a little bit, but it didn't happen. Jasper wasn't in the house. Uh, the guy is fine. Uh, he was back the next day. He was back today. Um, working on the job. I talked to, I called WSIB, which is, uh, I called uh, the Ontario uh, Ministry of Labor to see if there was anything I needed to do. I talked to the general contractor. Uh, they assured me that everything was fine. Uh, I said, I'm worried about the guy uh, being injured because after adrenaline wears off, there might be an injury that shows up that is not readily apparent. They said, don't worry, we'll send somebody out to finish the job. It's like, no, you're misunderstanding me. I don't care about the job. <laughs> I care about the guy. Like, his well-being is foremost. He fell 10 feet. That's not insignificant. That's a significant job site accident. So I wanted to make sure that he was okay. After that, we'll deal with all the other shit. Um, two hours later, there was a crew in the house fixing the hole. It's all patched up right now. They're coming back tomorrow to, uh, like it's all, the roof is almost done now, but the hole's all patched up. Uh, the whole room is cleaned up. Uh, they're going to come back to, uh, tomorrow to finish uh, putting on the popcorning on the ceilings. All the ceilings have that speckly popcorny stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to put that back on. They're going to mud the whole thing. Uh, yeah, so that's essentially it, except, you know, one small addendum to the story that happened today. <laughs> uh, I went outside to, like, at one point they're using power tools out there, and they blew a fuse. My outside breakers are connected to all kinds of shit. The electrical outlet outside is connected to the lights in the kitchen, uh, the lights on the stove. And oddly enough, the electrical closet in my house, way on the other side of the house. So if the power outside goes out, I lose my internet connection. Like what the hell? <laughs> anyway, the power went out. So I went outside and I wanted to just uh, ask them if it was okay for me to flip it back on. Cause if they had tools on, I don't want them fuck anybody up. Right. If they're like, why does this tool doesn't work and start playing with the blade. All of a sudden I turn on the power. I didn't want to cut fingers off because I was trying to help them. So I went outside to say, hey, uh, we blew a breaker. I'm going to flip it back on. Is that okay? And they said, and so the, the foreman of the job came right around and started talking to me. He's like, uh, yeah, we had another step through in uh, a room that appears to have computers in it. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so I go upstairs. Sure enough, in the upstairs office uh, where I have another computer where my wife was working from home before, uh, she was on mat leave last summer. There's another hole in the roof. There's <laughs> friggin' insulation and debris everywhere in that uh, in that particular room. So now I'm like, oh, man. I had to clean out that room, get it all ready for another crew to come in and patch that hole. So somebody else showed up today to patch that stupid hole. I understand that accidents happen, and then every once in a while you get a step through, or I guess there's a term for it, um, you know, an accident on the job site. But it really shouldn't be a daily occurrence. And so I'm a little worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. The roof is almost done. Like all the plywood's done on the main roof. The only thing they're going to fall into now is the garage. And that is not going to be pretty. There's nothing in the garage that isn't pointy. So if they fall into the garage, it's going to hurt. Like falling into a crib is probably about as lucky as that guy could have got. Uh, well, the crib is fine, by the way. That's a testament to this crib. Not a ding. Not a scratch, not a dent. The mattress is fine. The box spring is fine. Everything is perfect. It's 
there was zero damage to this crib having a 160 pound man fall 10 feet through a ceiling into it that is somewhat difficult to believe i i i would have thought the crib would have been destroyed so would i you know it's fine there was a little bit of blood on it (laughs) he cut himself on the way through but you can clean that up i clean that up i like like we uh we spent most of uh yesterday and last night uh moving stuff around. We moved the crib into our room because with all the fiberglass insulation in the room, usually when you deal with fiberglass insulation, you are prepared for it. You put up sheeting, you make sure that uh, everything can capture all these little nasty little fiberglass things. But when you're not expecting fiberglass insulation to be everywhere, it gets everywhere. Mm -hmm. So every bit of clean laundry in that room has to be rewashed. Every stuffed animal has to be rewashed. I have to wash or, or at least wipe off all of the books, all of the shelves. So I spent uh, a couple of hours uh, cleaning the crib to make sure that it was uh, safe to put my son in again, moving it into our bedroom, back into our bedroom, because uh, it was there for the first six months of his life. But uh, so we had to rework all this stuff. He was awake and cranky because it was late at night and it wasn't a very restful night for anybody so i was exhausted today and now i gotta deal with this other friggin hole in the computer room and uh he's still sleeping in our room in the crib but it's a little more organized today uh, anyway uh so that's what that hole is guy fell through my ceiling wasn't me i didn't fall i wouldn't have been up on the roof because i'm not pre- you know physically prepared to do manual labor at uh altitude right <laughs> <laughs> well so that, and it all resulted in this, this photo, uh, yeah. which, which we used on the website. But the most important thing, of course, is that nobody got seriously hurt. Yeah. And mostly com- the guy's pride. He was so embarrassed. He's still apologetic and been bending over backwards to say that he's sorry. And sure. Like, Just, you know, shut up. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, accidents happen. That's it. But I, yeah. you know, I, I completely understand your feeling about even just thinking about, you know, how bad this could have been if, if Jasper yeah. was there or if the guy had, had really hurt himself. Uh, I completely understand how that is. That is just a, a really unsettling thing for everybody involved, even for me, you know, I mean, for, for anybody yeah. who, who, who imagines like how bad this could have been, but thankfully nobody was seriously hurt. And, um, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, this is not, ultimately that much of a, a disaster. And in 20 years from now, it'll probably be a funny story. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, when I, when I, yesterday I was freaking out a little bit. I had to go for a walk. Like I couldn't, I just yeah. needed to walk it off. Clear your head. Even thinking about it now, it kind of freaks me out a bit to, uh, about, it uh, freaks me out a bit about what could have happened, what might've been. Don't blame you at all. That's I, what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, and even today now, now that he's, the guy went, Different guy went through the roof, by the way. The first thing when the, uh, Mark, the, uh, the guy who fell through the roof yesterday, when, uh, the foreman of the job, I forget they got that guy's name. When he said, uh, we had a step through in the, uh, the room with computers, uh, Mark yells out, wasn't me. Okay. <laughs> well, see, so somebody else did it. That's where this story starts to get, you know, into the realm of just ridiculous. Like dude falls through the roof. It's an accident. I'm sure it's not the first time it's happened for roofers. Uh, but then, you know, they, they sort that out. You'd think when something like that happens on the job site, everyone is then extra, extra careful. Right. Yeah. But the next day someone steps through the roof and, yeah. <laughs> and 
almost comes through again, you know, and I, I find that, you know, it's, it's funny, but it's not funny. And, and I can't help but laugh a little bit about that, but it's almost just hard to believe. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I used to work in that office. I would have been sitting right below where the guy st- uh, stepped through. Like it landed on the computer right at where I would normally have sat. Well, this is what I'm saying. Like everything has come together here so that Jasper wasn't there when the dude fell in. You weren't there when a guy's foot came through and all the debris rained down on you. So, I mean, the universe is working for you in a way. It's just. And Jenny and Jasper were gone again today when this happened. Like they, when they got home, I told them about it. <laughs> and she, did she say to you, who the fuck are these guys we hired? Like, what is going on with these? <laughs> they seem nice. Like, they seem like nice guys, and I'm sure they're perfectly confident, uh, competent, and I don't have any problems with what's going to happen. You know, the construction or the uh, the contractor, uh, within two hours of each incident, there's a guy on site fixing the problem. Well, there better right? be. That's. I mean, I, I'm not too surprised about that. I mean, I've talked about the story about the cops kicking down my door. Uh, it took two days to get that door fixed. Right. <laughs> right. I had to sleep. My, my wife and I had to sleep in our apartment that night with a broken door. <laughs> you know, who the, fixed that? The, the police or they hired? No, some, they, uh, uh, they, the police paid for it, but they talked to the man, property management company right. uh, to pay for the door. They had an, uh, a company come and replace the door the next day, but they couldn't do it that day because it was like four o'clock in the afternoon. Right, right, right. And they kicked it down, right? I think it was 327 actually. Well, that's yeah, the kind of thing and, you remember. you know, weirdly enough, uh, I was a little more freaked out about the possibility, you know, what could have happened, you know, uh, the possibility of Jasper being in that crib. I'm way more freaked out about that, the thought of what could have happened there, than I was about six police officers pointing their firearms at me. You know? I, I, can, I can sort of see that. I mean, I'd be freaked out either way, to be honest, but uh, it's it's... I mean, you actually had guns pointed at you. You actually were on the ground. Did you have handcuffs on? Oh, yeah. They put me in handcuffs while they searched the house <laughs> or searched the apartment. So I was on flat. I wasn't even wearing pants. <laughs> I was in my underwear. I don't know if I've ever actually told you or anybody else that. I've only told my wife and my mom that. I'm now announcing it on the internet. I was not wearing pants. Of course. You know, they put me on the floor in the uh, in the hallway. They put handcuffs on me. They searched the house or the apartment. They pick me up. I go back in. They're like, okay, what's going on here? We're trying to figure it out. And I'm like, there's like 14 or 15 cops in the apartment. There's only six that pointed their guns at me. But the, the hallway was full of people. Right. Like there was EMS. There was uh, uh, firefighters. There was all <laughs> kinds of people. They were expecting a double homicide. Anyway, there's like 20 people in my house, and I'm like, does anybody mind if I put on some pants? And they're like, nope, go ahead. <laughs> go right ahead, sir. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, but see, what I was going to say is I'm, like. I'm, I'm less freaked out about that, that for two reasons. Uh, one, it was me and not my newborn son. Yes. He's only 10 months old. Totally. And second of all, uh, that situation, as soon as I saw the police officers, I knew, I saw the trigger discipline, right? There, no fingers were on triggers. I knew they were in control of the situation. Sure. And I gave them absolute control over me. That's what you do. Put up your hands. No problem. I don't have an issue with any of this. Just do what you need to do. I'm not a threat to you people. Right. I knew everybody in that situation was in control. This guy who fell through my house, my ceiling, was not in control. His shoes were not tied. He tripped on a nail that was sticking out, fell backwards. He was supposed to be tethered to the roof. He was wearing a harness, but it wasn't connected to anything. Oh my He God. was not tethered to the roof. This right. is my problem with the situation is that I don't think health and safety was properly 
uh, adhered to in this situation. No, it doesn't sound like it at all. Um, yeah. And, and, and I was going to say that like the, the police thing actually happened. So you, you can, reckon with it sort of a little bit here you're freaked about what could have happened and that's almost worse well yeah i mean what could have happened was they could have shot me essentially i know i know the the police possible it was possible but i mean you gotta hope that the police are only going to use that kind of force when absolutely necessary i know that's a whole different conversation in today's society but uh you know i i just mean like yes the police got you on the ground, handcuffed you, embarrassed you in your underwear. I mean, that's fine. Oh, I wasn't embarrassed. Well, no, whatever. <laughs> but I mean, with their, you know, I don't wear briefs and they're not boxers. They're kind of those boxer brief kind of combo things. <laughs> sure. So I got no problem. <laughs> it's fine. Whatever. I'm wearing pants right now, by the way. Good. Thank you. I'm wearing shorts. I'm wearing shorts. Yeah, me too. Uh, but with the, with, with the roof thing, yeah, it's, it just could have been so much, so much worse and, 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 and just totally out of your control. So yeah. anyways, it resulted in this photograph and we decided or you decided because everybody was okay and ultimately it, there was no uh, big injury or any big disaster here. We would use this photo to uh, <laughs> to promote yeah. the show a little bit, the podcast <laughs> a little bit because, you know, what are you going to yeah. do? But I thought it was a sort of a fun, mysterious way of kind of announcing that we we're going to record tonight instead of last night because I put today's date on the photo with right. our with our logo. So. Um, and aside from that, I just thought it was an incredibly well shot, like iPhone photo. I assume it was your yeah, iPhone. Yeah, well, it was his iPhone. Yeah, but I didn't do anything special. I mean, just I pointed at the yeah, but the skylight and the, took a shot. The light, the, the new skylight, it, the light, <laughs> the lighting came out really well. I thought, and it looked mysterious. And I thought it could be. It, it occurred to me that that photo could be used as a teaser for some movie or TV show that's upcoming. You know, so that's kind of what I was thinking when when I put you know the date on it and stuff like that. So. Uh, and just one more note, uh, because this happened twice when Jenny and Jasper got home this afternoon, I quietly, there was a, there was a guy upstairs, uh, fixing the, uh, the step through in the office. I quietly went to Jenny and said, uh, don't bring Jasper upstairs until the roofers are done. Yeah. Let's like, all stay on the main floor. Let's stay down here. Like I'll go upstairs. I'd have no problem with being covered in construction debris and, or a roofer, but, uh, I don't want to, you know, that possibility of what could have been you know mm-hmm. the the, uh, the crib is in an entirely different area of the upstairs now mm-hmm. uh i the back part of the house where jasper's crib was yesterday was where he fell through the front part of the house where the crib is today is where they're working so right. he, there was you know i i also said to jenny yesterday if he falls through the uh, the roof in the front part of the house and lands in the crib <laughs> we're giving the guy the crib like obviously he needs it <laughs> he clearly does put this in every house you work on <laughs> And, uh, and it'll be your safety net. Yeah. This, yeah, this thing is something you need to have around. Oh my God. Twice, but he didn't fall through the house today. So, uh, tomorrow, uh, I think all of the, uh, the plywood is done in the main part of the house. So like I say, tomorrow will be fine. The only thing that could happen is they could fall into the garage, which I hope they don't because it's messy and pointy. And, and, and no doubt it's a hard concrete floor probably, right? If they miss the, uh, you know, the power tools. And the uh, the other stuff that's in there, uh, it's a concrete floor. So oh. yeah, good luck with that. Or there's a lawnmower in there. Don't land on the lawnmower either. No, I think that could be that would go a lot worse. So that's that. Uh, quite the story. Um, Fun, <laughs> good times. Yeah, uh, I hope you. I mean, maybe you'll end up with a free roof out of this. Have you ever thought of that? 
You're should... not going to give a free roof. I don't know, like... man. Two people. Well, one guy fell through in another hole and... No, they're fixing it right away. That's 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 a lot of money to give up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Fifty percent off? I mean, come on. Okay. No, look. they're not gonna do that. They're they If another guy falls a, through, ask for your money back. Well, I'm I'm gonna talk to them tomorrow about uh like falling into the uh the baby's room is one thing. Uh it's it's a pain in the ass because you know, we spent hours cleaning it yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, even after the uh the crew came in, uh, you know, patched the hole and they spent an hour and a half vacuuming that room. Right. They missed some spots and we got to wash all this stuff. So it takes time and effort for us to do that. Mm-hmm. In the, uh, in the office, uh, when they came through, there's, uh, there's fiberglass on everything in there as well, including a bunch of yarn that Jenny has, uh, which you can't wash and use nope. for what she wants to do. So there might be a cost of physical cost that we need to incur to replace that yarn. I've got to talk to Jenny about whether or not she cares. Like I mentioned it to her today, she said she'd think about it tomorrow. But if she does care, we're going to put a monetary value on it and we're going to contact them and say, look, uh, the baby's room was one thing. Nothing was damaged other than the roof and the fact that we have to wash everything, which is a pain in the ass, but no f- actual costs, hard costs. Mm-hmm. This step through in the front of the office, there's a hard cost here. So we need some kind of compensation. But, you know, what would that be? What would that look like? 50 bucks? I don't know. Well, I, on with the yarn. I heard there was a computer in there, and I think that computer got ruined, so you need a new one. Computer's not ruined. I know. <laughs> it was a laptop that was closed. Right. <laughs> There's a, there was a monitor in there and some networking stuff, but, you know, it's all just cables. Sure. Well, you know, you'll have to decide what you're going to do, but the most important thing is everybody is okay. Yeah, that guy is okay. Mark is okay. He Good. said he was sore. <laughs> when Jenny got home yesterday, she said, uh, I recommend Advil and a beer. And he's like, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, that's probably, that's probably enough of that. So if you want to see that picture, just visit facebook.com slash the talking dead. And it's, it's right there. Uh, one of the most recent posts. Uh, anything else, Jason? I think that's probably enough for tonight. That's probably enough. All right. That's a lot. Get some rest. And I hope, I guess all you have to worry about now is Santa falling through your roof someday. Yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, uh, well, they did give us, uh, when they said they had to replace all the, uh, uh, the plywood, they, he, the owner of the company, the general contractor did give us a free upgrade to three quarter inch plywood as opposed to half inch plywood, which is standard. That's good. And he said, uh, yeah, so that he said, that's the last roof this house will ever need essentially, which should support Santa and a few tiny reindeer. I think so. And the odd meteor. Uh, no, Meteor's coming in at, you know, Mach 3 or whatever the hell All right, let's hope that That's doesn't. not good. As long as it's, not, you know, really, really small, it might punch a hole into something. But, you know, if it's the size of a Volkswagen, we're all fucked. Oh, yeah. No, everybody's screwed then. So, uh, all right. We'll see you next time, everyone. Thanks for listening. All right, bye.